0: Section twelve of Why Do We Need a Public Library by Various. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Perrard. Section twelve The Negro Vote in the States Whose Constitutions Have Not Been Specifically Revised by John Hope so much has been said about almost every phase of the so-called race problem so many good things and so many bad things that we are apt to believe all has been said that can be said and to wish that if there is anything that has not yet been said it may remain unsaid certainly little that is new can be said on the franchise until we have some new developments you will get nothing new from me i am to speak on a current topic that is as well known to you as to me yet it is sometimes helpful to hear your own thoughts expressed by someone else with this possibility of doing a service i apologize for having consented to write on the subject of negro suffrage in the states whose constitutions have not been specifically revised but even here i feel unable to speak about all these states and prefer to confine myself to my own state for of this i may speak with the assurance that comes from contact the state of georgia probably shows as little revulsion and reversion of sentiment and law as any distinctly southern state except perhaps texas since the reconstruction period republican rule was short-lived and while it remained was less aggressive and revolutionary than in other states the population has been fairly evenly divided between the two races with the majority always on the white side the agrarian class has been less powerful than in some southern states and the ignorance of both races has been rather mitigated and softened by centers of information towns and cities less remotely distant from one another than is the case when several other southern states, railroads and factories exerting a great influence in this respect. So Georgia may be taken as a type of those states in which the best things have happened, or rather the worst things have not happened for colored people. Of course, in Reconstruction times, Georgia Democrats did act harshly, but my remarks rather have to do with the period after that, for instance more than thirty colored republicans were expelled from the georgia legislature and the state had to have a sort of second reconstruction before it was finally recognized by the united states government georgia had only one republican governor and sent to the national house of representatives at least one colored representative but for many years even this has been a thing of the past white men have held all offices occasionally having the monotony of complexion broken by a colored representative from camden mcintosh or liberty county in the state legislature the passing of the republican party in the state as an aggressive elective organization has been due to several causes but so hidden and studied have two of them been so free from shotguns leaving out of course the kupleks and patrollers of the sixties and seventies that you cannot lay your hands on these causes so easily as in some other states where the change has been revolutionary and sudden rather than gradual you will notice that i say republican party for when the colored vote was most effective it was organized by the republican party one of the causes of this passing of the republican vote was intimidation at the polls on election day threats and intimidation before the day in communities of colored people and official rascality in the counting of ballots actually cast probably as a result of these a third cause came the indifference of the state and municipal republican organizations to making a canvas for the state and city officers then the colored vote began to divide on democratic candidates and was exceedingly effective holding the balance of power as it did in choosing white democratic governors congressmen state legislators city and county officers this went well for a while but white office seekers soon began to fear this colored balance of power they wanted their certainty of a majority of the white vote to guarantee their office so the georgia legislature passed a law making it legal to have primaries to nominate candidates for office and also throwing such safeguards about the management of primaries as aimed to secure lawful practices on these occasions here was a perfectly harmless movement apparently harmless the next step was made by the democratic party assembled in state convention when it decided that candidates for state and county officers on the democratic ticket should be nominated by a primary but leaving the conduct of the primary to the community in which it might be held provided this should not run counter to the primary law as passed by the state here too was a perfectly fair and harmless provision apparently fair and apparently harmless but the way was then open for the primary to take on a local coloring in communities where the colored vote was an embarrassment the democratic party there decided to have a white primary in one of these communities a colored man that i know went to vote at the primary he was a good negro a very good negro his goodness dating back to the time when the yankees were about to confiscate his master's cotton and he claimed the cotton as his even this transaction did not enlarge his cranium and after saving his master thousands of dollars and gradually amassing a fortune for himself he still knew how to approach his former master from the kitchen door well this good negro went to cast his ballot the courteous man at the polls said george this is the democratic primary yes said george but i am a democrat well said the courteous gentleman but george this is a white primary this colored man found himself without a republican for whom he might vote and was informed that the democratic party was a close corporation so far as the colored man was concerned this is quite interesting when i tell you that white republicans avowedly republicans have not only been permitted but even requested to participate in the primaries of the democratic and populist parties the reason for the elasticity of the primary is quite evident that is why colored people are allowed to take part in the primary in one community and not in another or why they are allowed at one time to vote and at another time in that same community are not allowed to vote the purpose is to have the colored voters as a harmless balance of power between the democrats and any other party that may show strength that is to have the colored man to settle disputes among white people without becoming obstreperous because of this valuable assistance there were some communities where the populists used the colored voter to defeat democrats and others where the democrats use this vote to defeat populists of the state as a whole it may be said that populism was defeated by the colored voters espousing the democratic side and be it said to the common sense and good reason of many democrats that this fact is acknowledged and to an extent appreciated by the party now in power to the extent at least of staving off any further disfranchisement measures thus far but the most flagrant high-handedness and palpable confession of purpose on the part of white people with reference to our citizenship rights is to be found in a state legislative enactment that looks to the municipal management of two georgia towns where the colored voters are so overwhelmingly in the majority that ordinary subterfuges would not fulfill the requirement darien and st mary's are two coast towns with a large colored population the mayor and aldermen are not elected by the voters in these towns but instead these towns enjoy the unique distinction of being managed by officials appointed by the governor of the state what is more simple what more high-handed what more undemocratic and subversive of national principles of government than this now let us ask the question can the colored man cast his ballot in georgia in the first place any party of any race may hold a primary second any man of any party or race may vote in the general election for any candidate he may wish let us ask next whether these ballots will be counted that depends entirely upon whether the need is to count them or destroy them or furthermore to count them as ballots for someone for whom they were not cast the election boards and the management at the polls are not bipartisan and the party in power may do what it chooses we raise the question now whether it is for our best interest economically to exercise the franchise do men vote to help their economic interests are not taxation and other fiscal policies settled by the ballot may not property be enhanced or lessened in value by voters colored people have some real estate and securities but their practical capital is their labor yet they have not the least power the real power of influencing legislation in reference to a single labor measure that may arise although in georgia nearly half the population is colored and in the laboring class the colored people are in the majority now suppose as white union labor in the south grows stronger it should influence such legislation as would eliminate colored labor where it came into competition with white labor the colored laborer would be politically powerless to resist this legislation now is this a mere idle dream when we reflect that within the past few months a texas legislator introduced a bill to confine colored labor to the farm whenever it was found in city and town communities to be competing with white labor then there is another side that really has its argument effective though perhaps not very logical the fact that we are as a people laborers and not capitalists makes us as any other people similarly placed would be under obligation to the capitalists who in our case are white the point is made that to enter politics against the wishes of this people would raise such antagonism as to lower our earning power hence we are told to keep out of politics until we get a better money basis here we stand between two difficulties staying out of politics might jeopard our earning, and entering politics might jeopard our earnings many honest and thoughtful white and colored men stand on both sides of this question now is it educationally best for us to vote this question requires some amplifying do we mean what educational value comes from this training in citizenship if so then certainly the value is great there was a time when we knew conditions in our state and town but so little influence does a colored man have in politics now that i do not even know the name of the alderman in my ward although i am a registered voter have paid my poll tax and voted for president roosevelt i know of nothing more benumbing to us as citizens than this deprivation men who are philosophic may consider matters that are not of material concern but the average person does not load his mind and spend his time with things that for one reason or another have no concern for him any discussion as to the fitness and honesty of municipal and state candidates hardly touches me as i know i cannot lift a finger to promote the interests of any one of them i have no voice there is another position from which this question may be viewed and that is whether the advantages from schools would be lessened or increased from participation in politics it is quite evident that without the ballot any people are suppliant and must beg rather than make a manly demand but assuming that the lack of the ballot has become a condition with us would a demand or threat about our ballot result in a counter threat that if we forced the issue we should not only be denied our ballot but that for our arrogance the appropriation for colored public schools would be cut down and we should receive only what we paid in as our share of the school tax this too is no dream but has actually been considered by colored men as a possible reason for not causing such antagonism as would arise from colored men endeavoring to enter aggressively into politics again what now about fears for disfranchisement such as has been compassed by the revised constitutions in many southern states someone may say that there is no difference between constitutional disfranchisement and that quasi disfranchisement effective for all practical purposes such as we have spoken of as now obtaining in georgia there is a tremendous difference if a wave of civic righteousness should sweep over those states still without constitutional disfranchisement the primaries would be a very slight embarrassment to those willing to do right by all races alike while in the states possessing constitutional disfranchisement the reactionaries would have such means of stopping fair play and honest elections free for all that they could easily check the purposes of the fair-minded citizens for a long while now do we really have to fear disfranchisement i say disfranchisement must at all times be feared and be guarded against as far as it lies within our power in an honorable and manly way to hold it off just at the time north carolina and maryland seemed most secure to us we found ourselves deprived of our rights and it may be safely stated that whenever on a specific occasion the colored boat exerts the balance of power over any considerable area their disfranchisement may be feared we need to fear disfranchisement because it is founded upon the spirit of injustice and that same spirit fosters it so palpable is this that the south bewails the fact governor warfield in speaking about the repeal of the fifteenth amendment says the privilege to vote could then be bestowed without respect to the expedient of unwise constitutional amendments that strain the conscience of our best people and arouse criticism yet the repeal of the fifteenth amendment would not relieve those apostles of disfranchisement of the odium of violating the spirit of truly american democracy and of setting at naught that mighty decision on human rights that was rendered by the bloody arbitrament of war disfranchisement of whatever sort if designed to embarrass a citizen because of his race must always strain the conscience of our best people does georgia show any signs of the disfranchising spirit we fear it does the state legislature now expects some measure of this sort at each session and in recent years has not been disappointed although good sense has thus far triumphed then again men in high places Congressmen and at least one of our U.S. senators from Georgia have begun to say some things that may easily be construed as an advocacy of disfranchisement. It occurs to me that the marked difference between the condition in my boyhood and today is this. Then the opposition was to republicans today it is to negroes. It is not a party line but a race-line now the white primary has not done all that was claimed for it in the first place it has not purified elections far from doing away with the purchase and sale of votes it has by lowering the supply relatively increased the demand and brought up the price to a really fancy figure in the second place it has failed to do that for which it was ostensibly introduced especially to do namely to put into office those men most eminently fitted by ability and character to administer the office to which they might be chosen on the contrary primary elections have been questioned on the ground of fraud and the mayor of one very prominent georgia city has been arrested for drunkenness then why is the primary kept well the fixers for instance can more easily fix things with the colored man's vote eliminated the work becomes simplified and even though the amount of money spent illegally may now be more than the total amount in the days when colored as well as white were in the market yet those interested in fixing elections can now work with more assurance and promises may more easily be carried out in the matter of delivering the goods for instance i know of a city election where the voters in one ward were so evenly divided and the candidates had calculated their strength so accurately that one candidate felt safe in buying three white votes at the rate of one hundred ten dollars large corporations may now operate easily in state and city and some of the most flagrant cases of political jobbery that have been charged against reconstruction rule are easily equaled by the bare-faced graft and bribery by which large business interests win their way through the assistance of white voters, what are the possibilities of white aspirants? bolting the primary? It is my impression that they are fewer than they were twenty years ago. Judge Gartrell once ran independently against Alexander Stevens for governor and judge emory spear in his younger days ran on an independent ticket But such a step on the part of a candidate it means outlawry for life spear was read into the republican party thomas watson into the Populist. and since the exile of such giants the small fry find it easy to be good and not to lift their heads in rebellion no matter what rascality has compassed their defeat at the primary no it is my impression that the primary is more firmly established today than when it was first started white unity has become white slavery and while the yoke galls the white aspirant prefers the yoke to extermination but suppose there should be a general democratic rough house and the colored vote should be called in to quell the disturbance the colored voter would have no guarantee that such would mean his return to political standing on the contrary it might as in several states cause the passage of constitutional disfranchisement that would make his last state worse than the former our status is truly unenviable and the ground on which we stand is exceedingly uncertain i desire now to treat more fully what has already been touched upon why do the republicans not nominate candidates for state county and city offices and make a general canvass there are two classes of colored men those who think the party should and those who think it should not unfortunately each of these classes makes severe charges against the other with reference to this matter i much prefer to accept the explanations of both as honest the following are at least some of the reasons for not making a canvass first it is difficult to get desirable men to accept the nomination second it would be still more difficult to secure sufficient funds to pay the ordinary and perfectly legitimate expenses of a campaign third the injustices of the party in power would make a fair election an impossibility hence a candidate would be doomed to defeat from the moment of his nomination and the fact that he and the party would know this would make the campaign lifeless futile and perfunctory. fourth the prominence of colored people in politics and the extra trouble to which they would put the ascendant party might result in still further curtailment of the few rights still left to us to all of this the side that clamors or appears to clamor for a ticket says you assume too much you see ghosts yet supposing the worst it is far better to keep colored voters organized for several reasons first because the organization gives a valuable training in citizenship that cannot be gained by standing aloof and waiting for better things second because if an opening should come suddenly the colored people would be better able to decide quickly and intelligently where to throw their strength solidly on one side or another for their own best interests and the interests of the government thirdly because a show of opposition to existing political injustice and repression would relieve us of the charge of indifference to our condition and would strengthen the courage of those who might champion our cause our efficient powerful champions who have grown doubtful about our real manhood i believe in the honesty of both these classes of colored men and it is exceedingly difficult for a man living in the midst of these conditions and knowing the temperament attitude and unlimited power of the white people to say which one of these new courses is the more rational and helpful to pursue what have the colored people lost through disfranchisement they have lost the privilege of influencing legislation since the legislator feels under no obligation to them the jim crow car law the separate tax bill and almost any other bill may be passed so far as pressure from colored people is concerned a very clear case in the public library in atlanta which is supported by the taxes of all citizens if not a single colored person may enter that library to read or borrow a book some months ago mr carnegie offered the city ten thousand dollars for a library for the colored people on the condition that the city furnish a lot and agreed to appropriate one thousand dollars per annum for the maintenance of the library the whole matter has been tabled and the colored people have no redress since their mayor and aldermen were elected without the colored vote do you suppose the city of atlanta would have refused so paltry a favor if its city council were dependent upon our vote not only have we lost influence among the lawmakers but among those who interpret the law and administer justice neither judge nor jury has to consult the colored man's wish this independence of us makes the court a place of injustice as frequently as of justice and policemen may be cruel with impunity then too the chain-gang with its revolting influences on men and women boys and girls the lack of negro reformatories in some places where they do exist for white boys find much of their meaning in the fact that the colored voter cannot make sentiment and bring things to pass through the ballot we have had the Jim Crow law forced upon us. Our public schools have become poorer in equipment and teaching force, and the salary of teachers has been lowered. In a word, the loss of the franchise has changed our status to such a degree that we no longer demand, but beg and supplicate even for those fundamental needs, without which education and general improvement would be very doubtful now are there some things to be effected that are regarded as of more vital interest to colored people at present than the ballot in the face of what has already been said this seems almost an unnecessary question since the ballot is no abstract thing no merely academic theory but a vital agent in the promotion of improvement and happiness yet as obvious as all this seems when people have already lost the ballot they may ask this question are there some things to be effected that are of more vital interest to colored people at present than the ballot i heard a sweet-spirited colored man say at the conclusion of his remarks one day he was a college president and is now in heaven away from this turmoil well i heard him say i have come to the conclusion that all we can do in this country is to take what the white man gives us an eminent colored preacher said recently in my hearing you can't drive these white folks you must knuckle to them and you can get anything you want within the last two months an interesting white southern clergyman in his exhortation to colored people to be good negroes told them not to get mad about jim crow cars and to be slow to urge their rights said he you colored people are undertaking a heavy task when you attempt to reform the anglo-saxon. Now our present needs are numerous and vital, many growing out of the curtailment of privileges, a condition made possible through our lack of the ballot. Many colored men believe that we can get these needs supplied most quickly and surely by begging and not resorting to a futile ballot. Many, moreover, Think that the voting would retard the granting of these much needed privileges. On the other hand, others say our condition grows steadily worse and our only redress, our only hope, is in the ballot. Now, what do I believe about all this? I believe that we ought to vote, and I vote on every public question when the privilege is accorded me. I believe that our leaders ought to give us the opportunity to vote and let us stand forth as men whether successful or not willing to do all within our power to be full-fledged citizens certainly our attitude ought never to allow the white people to say the negro cares nothing for the franchise and does not exercise it when he does have the opportunity what are we waiting for not more education i hope and here i must remind you that one thing is much overtalked. The forwardness of the colored child and the backwardness of the white child in the matter of getting an education colored children are not being fitted as are white for their responsibilities a real intellectual awakening is going on among the whites of the south more and better schoolhouses better teachers and longer school terms and the white children are learning with avidity the colored children are getting poor schoolhouses Poorer teachers, more poorly paid teachers, and shorter school terms. And we cannot change this disparity by begging the state and city. Unless we force better things for ourselves by like the ballot or go into our own pockets, the next generation of colored voters will be relatively less prepared for the educational qualification in comparison with the white voter than the colored voters of today. Oh, you say pessimist looking at the dark side away with that contemptible sentimentality and aversion to ugly facts that make some of my people call a man a pessimist every time he lifts a warning voice i know the white country schoolhouse and the colored country schoolhouse there is a tremendous difference now i believe in education but i also believe in manhood and any education bought at the price of manhood is worthless and a millstone about their neck i believe in the ballot as a developer of manhood and as it procures the right of men i believe in the ballot in spite of threats of disfranchisement if we use this ballot i see no difference in purpose between the states that have outrightly disfranchised us and those states that do it stealthily or by indirection i believe that the purpose of all is the same a hatred for colored people and a determination to have white supremacy at any cost of life and honour i do not think northern sentiment is a deterring force though i think northern sentiment could become a deterring force to disfranchisement in the face of all this why delay voting in the hope of better things better welcome disfranchisement as men than suffer from it as cowards End of section 12.